3: From D2 to D3.
4: Summer, spring, and fall. We cover the sports and we cover them all.
3: With JT Mitchell. Best in sports. Full reports.
4: Listen
5: here. Throughout the year.
3: Love that intro, and for the first time since 2000, the Connolly Trophy is back in the hands of a Division II player, and for the first time since 2008, back in the hands of a non-Division I player. Congrats to Patrick Shegog of Delta State. We'll talk about that and more on today's episode of From D2 to D3. Thanks for tuning in. I'm JT Mitchell, as always, with you. This episode of From D2 to D3 is brought to you by Eve's Law Firm. I tell you week in and week out, if you see me around the hallways, see me around town, see me around the state, I'll tell you then, too, that Eve's Law Firm is the best in the business. I promise you that. I'm not lying to you. I have done work with them over the years uh, probably over a decade now, they're fantastic. Call them now at 601-355-7961 or go online to eveslol.com. So, where to begin, man? I mean, the Connolly Trophy, what a great night for college football. It was a great night for Division two, of course, A great night for our small colleges to get the trophy back. If you're not familiar, the Connerly Trophy is given annually to the top college football player in all of Mississippi. Doesn't matter the level. Juco's are not considered. So D1, D2, D3. And Patrick Shegog won it this year. It was great to see. uh, Watched it online. We had some people over there from 3 to 6 that day. And the buzz throughout the air was that Shegog might just win it. We've been talking about this for weeks. I mean, on multiple episodes, I've told you throughout the season that if this kid is nominated again this year, with Division One play being weaker uh, than in years past, State uh, wasn't very good. Southern Miss wasn't very good. Ole Miss was good, but they nominated the wrong player. I didn't know that, of course, throughout the season, but that just gave me another tack on the wall to say that Patrick Shegog should be the winner, and sure enough, he was. Um, You know, an Ole Miss and or a Mississippi State player has won this award every year dating back to 2011, and I think that's kind of been a disservice. Last year, you had three finalists who very well could have won it. Uh, Quinshawn, who did win it, Quinshawn Jutkins of Ole Miss. Emmanuel Forbes of Mississippi State now with the Commanders. And then Shador Sanders of Jackson State. He would have been the first Jackson State player to ever win it. He did not. So I was glad to see a change this year and to see it go to a Division II player, a non-Ole Miss Mississippi State player as well, Not to say those guys, the other finalists this year, which were Buki Watson of Mississippi State and Quinshawn, once again, of Ole Miss, weren't deserving. It was just a perfect storm for a D2 player to win it. Uh, If we didn't give it to a D2 player, we might as well just call it the Egg Bowl MVP. You know, I was surprised Quinshawn was nominated and not Jackson Dart. But like I said, that was just another reason for Patrick Shegog to win it. And, I mean, like a lot of people, I don't sympathize with those out there saying, oh, he plays Division II. It doesn't matter. Shegog would probably be a starter on a Vanderbilt, maybe. Um, Of course, there's a lot of group of five teams out there that I think he could have been a starter on as well. Uh, Maybe even some more Power Five schools. That's just me looking at it with my SEC glasses on. I mean, the kid was initially committed to Tulane, if I'm not mistaken, ended up going to Delta State, and it all played out. You cannot deny his numbers this season. Over 3,200 yards, that's total rushing and passing. A program record 44 touchdowns. And here's, here's the big piece to me, just two interceptions over 300 passing attempts. Those are video game numbers. I mean... That reminds me of NCAA football when uh, you're playing Road to Glory. Absolute video game numbers, well-deserved. Congrats to Patrick Shegal. Congrats to Delta State. Congrats to Coach Todd Cooley. And congrats to, uh, I guess, a lot of listeners out there who were rooting for this to happen. And I don't really know how much character plays into the award. Um, Of course, it's voted on by media members. uh, Some of our people across the state. And that does bring a bit of subjectivity to it. But I'd say most of it is probably objective to the numbers. But if character was part of it, I mean, she was a shoe in right? Just an uber humble guy. And while we're here, I want to play a part of Todd Cooley's speech on why he believed his star quarterback deserved the Connerly Trophy.
5: Young man comes to us in 2018, and because of injuries, he becomes a starter on a football team that was really not a great football team. And he fights, and he competes, and that year, you know, we lose a lot of football games, and, and somehow he keeps competing and, and keeps us in some ball games, and we end up going two and eight. And he's named Gold South uh, Freshman of the Year, Newcomer of the Year, deservedly so. Comes back in 2019, he's having a great season, suffers a season-ending injury week three. Then COVID hits. All right. Comes back from COVID in 2021. He's back as our starting quarterback. Season doesn't go the way he wants to. We end up going five and six, and um, he gets injured throughout the, throughout the way. In 2022, he comes to fall camp. That's what a lot of people don't know about, and they know about his stats. I, you know, 300 pass attempts, two interceptions this year, which is ridiculous. It's video game numbers. I don't care where you're playing, it's just crazy. 2022, he enters fall camp as our third string quarterback. He is a red-shirt junior. He never bats an eye. We go into the first game of the season at Kentucky State. He's still our third-string quarterback. What he does the two weeks leading up to that game is he goes to scout team and runs scout team quarterback and services our defense because we were running against a triple-option uh, offense, and he was the fastest thing we could show a look with. He does it. Doesn't even blink. Second game, he's now the backup quarterback. Goes in, takes over. The thing about this young man is, yes, he has a 24 in ACT, and yes, he's going to graduate next week with his master's. But those things were given when he got there. He was smart. He was intelligent. He's classy. He's humble. He's going to do all the things that you're supposed to do. And if I want to talk about him, we really don't have enough time. But what I can tell you is, is the perseverance and what he had to go through at Delta State University. I know there's a lot of great players in this room. There's a lot of great people. This man... Carried an entire university on his back this year and his teammates and he handled it with such class and dignity he is responsible for 44 touchdowns to two turnovers on the season he led us to another conference championship he is the leader of our football team and i thank god for him every day because he made me a better coach and just got to spend so much time around him And it's just been awesome. I tell people all the time, you know, my wife Lisa's back there. Shout out to my beautiful wife back there. We don't have any kids of our own, but if I had a son, I want him to be like Patrick Shegog. And if I had a daughter, I want her to marry someone like Patrick Shegog. That is the best thing I can say about anybody. He makes everybody in the room better. He was not our only great player on our football team, but he elevated everyone around that team to become better. We had a lot of good players. They became better when they were around Patrick. And because of his selfless attitude and him just, you know, so many guys would have said, nah, forget this coach. I've been a starter. I've been newcomer of the year. I'm getting out of here. I'm leaving. I'm going to get in the portal. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. He just kept playing. He didn't gripe. He didn't complain. He went to scout team quarterback, kept getting better. And it's a great lesson for everybody to know because here he is right now, two-time Go South player of the year and best football player I ever coached. And I can't say enough about him, Patrick. I'm very, very proud of you, man. For all the things that you've accomplished, not only on the field, but off. And the sky's going to be the limit for you. And thank you. Thank you, Mr. and Mrs. Shegog, for allowing me to coach you. I love you, buddy. Thank you.
3: I mean, that gets me every time. Coach Cooley has said that throughout the year. He has used that line that if he had a son, he would want him to be like Patrick Shegog, And if he had a daughter, he would want her to date someone like Patrick Shegog. That's got to be one of the highest compliments you can get. And before we played that clip, I wasn't saying that the voting members are going out there and saying, who's the nicest guy. Let's vote for him. That's not what they're doing. Of course, this award is given to the top college player in Mississippi. All I was saying, clarification here is that subjectivity might creep in sometimes. Doesn't really matter though. Shegog had the best numbers. I was just highlighting that he's a really good guy. Um, Moving on, I did get a text earlier today that I think this is a good time to go ahead and address, and they asked me what players that are not State or Ole Miss have won it. Um, 2011, we referenced that. That was Austin Davis, quarterback for Southern Miss, had a good NFL career, now as a coach. 2008, Juan Joseph, the late Juan Joseph, rest his soul, quarterback at Millsaps. That was another guy that could have played Division I. That was D1 talent playing D3. Uh, 07, Damian Fletcher, Southern Miss. 04, Michael Boley, linebacker, Southern Miss. 02, Rod Davis, another linebacker, Southern Miss. 2000, the last time a Delta State player won it, the last time a D2 player won it, that was Josh Bright, quarterback for that national championship team. And then the first year the award was given out uh, was Trnell Thomas of Delta State running back as well. So now we have three players from Delta State who have won it over the course of its 27 years in existence. Now we just got to get another D3 guy in. Uh, we'll, we'll be seeing if that ever happens. You know, Colby Blunt was a really good candidate. For Millsaps, Ethan Claypatch is a really good player, but I'm not sure that nominating your punter shows, uh, well, actually it might show too much about the kind of team you had this season. Uh, back to Shegog for a minute. Uh, we have a lot of audio here from the Connerly Trophy Award presentation, which was at the Country Club of Jackson. And his acceptance speech just really epitomizes the kind of guy he is, um, how thankful he was, and shout-outs to everybody, his family, his teammates. Let's tune into that.
2: Y'all bear with me. My heart's about to beat out my chest. Uh, First, I want to thank God for just blessing me with the abilities to play the greatest sport in the world and for keeping me healthy. Uh, I want to thank my parents for being there for me throughout my entire life. And I just want y'all to know that every day I wake up, I just try to make y'all proud and... uh, let Y'all know that I appreciate y'all's hard work in raising me, Kyra, and Kirsten. Uh, I want to thank the rest of my family and friends that have come to support me uh, over the years. Uh, after a game, no matter the result, seeing uh, just seeing the people that came to support me, it warms my heart and it means everything to me. Uh, I want to thank C Spire, the Connolly family and all of the voters that chose me to represent this award this year, uh, I must say that it means the absolute world to me and I appreciate y'all so much. Uh, Being a kid from Batesville, Mississippi and to win this award is just crazy. Uh, Also, being the first Delta State recipient of this uh, award since Josh Bright 23 years ago is just mind blowing to me. He was also a quarterback from Batesville and uh, I will forever be grateful. Uh, I want to take the time out to give a huge shout out to the best teammates and coaches in the world. Uh, past couple of years of my life, they've been the best times, best times of my life, and uh, I'll cherish them for as long as I live. Uh, I also want to give a huge shout out to my offensive line, the Bull Knicks. Uh Something that we take pride in in our program is not taking sacks, and to be honest with you, I can't name it last time I was sacked. Uh, I'd be surprised if uh, it wasn't the lowest amount of times across all levels in the country. But I also want to give a shout out to my receivers, tight ends, and running backs for showing up to work every day and playing at a phenomenal level. But most importantly, not caring who gets to shine as long as we put points on the board and win games. Last but not least, I would like to thank the entire Delta State community for accepting me and for the amount of love and support they've shown me over my college career. Uh, it was a huge pleasure and honor to play for the green and white. I just wo- I just hope that you all remember me as a guy that tried to do everything the right way and uh, just know that I gave it everything that I had every time I stepped out onto the field. Thank y'all for coming out tonight.
3: just beyond well-deserved. And I think he's right. I can't remember many times this season that he was sacked. His offensive line there, Delta State, they deserve a lot of credit. I think four or five, if not all five, were all GSC this year. Other news regarding Shegog. Within 24 hours of winning the Connerly, he got big news as well, but on a national level, he has been named a finalist for the Harlan Hill Trophy, which is D2's equivalent to the Heisman. Whether he'll win or not... I'm not sure. There's a lot of good players on there. There's nine players narrowed down from the initial list of 38. Those are from Super Region 1, Braden Long, Michael Herzog. Long is a quarterback at Slippery Rock. Herzog is a running back at Hillsdale. Super Region 2 is Shegog, of course. And then and Sammy Edwards, we saw him in the round two playoff game against Valdosta State. Very good player as well. Super Region 3, Braden Gleason, quarterback Emporia State. Gage Porter, quarterback, Southern Nazarene. Zach Zabrowski, quarterback, Central Missouri. Super Region 4, John Matocha, the reigning Harlan Hill winner, quarterback there at Mines. And Tanner Volk, defensive back, the lone defensive player, considered a finalist at Central Washington. So I don't know if Shegall will win that. We caught up with him yesterday on Sports Talk Mississippi and Richard asked him if uh, he's going to be adding that one to the trophy cabinet. Humble as always. All he said was he is just looking forward to meeting the guys and chopping it up over some football. Okay, let's hit it to the phone line. It looks like we have Millsap's women's basketball coach, Justin LeBlanc, waiting. The Lady Majors are currently enjoying a good start to the 23-24 campaign. And we look forward to catching up with him a little bit about it.
4: Hey, Coach, what's up, man? I am good. I'm good. Thanks for having me.
3: Of course. Uh, we always appreciate it. And we've been keeping up with you guys. So right now, y'all are 6-1. and one, Started the season with a slight hiccup, a one-point loss to Huntington, but have really bounced back. Six games in a row, six wins in a row, including a 69-52 win over Centenary last night. How has the team been able to respond? What are kind of your thoughts right now seven games in? We'll just go from there.
4: Yeah, the girls—they're—they're they're really playing well right now. I got a tough group—a tough group of uh, girls on the team, and um, some really good upperclassmen leadership, and some freshmen that are bought in and just ready to go. We had a—you know—the losing a one-point game on the road, first game of the year, kind of getting our feet under us a little bit, and we were able to bounce back real quickly from that. Get a, a few home games under us, and defensively buy into what we were doing, and um, letting our offense come after and. You know, we played Centenary on Sunday over here and won and then turned around and played them again at their place a few days later. And no matter who you play on the road, it's always tough to win a road game and start out a little slow, but hunker down and and gutted out a good, tough win on the road. So we're really excited where we're at and looking forward to our first conference game this this weekend.
3: That's right. And as I understand it, you're pretty familiar with Centenary, correct?
4: So uh, how was that Centenary? I was actually on the men's side as an assistant. Um, back in 2010, 2000, to to about 2015. And then I took over the women's program for one year. And we had a decent year, and then I had a chance to come back home to Millsap. So I took advantage of that and been back here ever since.
3: And we're glad you're back. You've had a nice run of success here in Jackson. Um, And looking at the schedule here, looks like you'll have Birmingham Southern on Sunday, back-to-back games against the W. Then your team will head to the Big Apple for... From what I understand, it'll be a pretty cool tournament. You'll play Williams and Mary, then, I'm sorry, Williams, and then Mary Harden-Baylor before heading into the new year. Uh, are the girls excited about that trip?
4: Yeah, they are. It's going to be a, a fun trip for the program, and we're playing two really good teams. Williams and Mary Harden-Baylor have had a lot of success over the last over the last years and everything. Um, we know it's going to be some tough, and we're hoping we can balance a little bit of, uh, you know, have fun and then get together as a team and, and grow as, as a unit Well, as well as, uh, you know, playing some games and we're going to have a big alumni base up there and um, they're taking care of us. And we're going to have some little events and we have a lot of people from Millsaps coming and traveling with us. and So it'll be a fun little trip. We're looking forward to that for sure.
3: Yeah. And you said the play will be tough, but it'll be good. Uh, Still in non-conference for the most part, of course, BSC on Sunday, but then back to non-conference until really kicking into high gear for SAA play after the new year. Do you feel as if the non-conference schedule so far has been a pretty good measuring stick uh, as we do near full-on conference play?
4: Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, we we like to play as as many as as we can at home and kind of get get our feet on the rails. Last year we had a, we had a good season, uh, but we graduated four seniors that played a lot of minutes. So I knew even though we had a, a good core returning, that we would have to kind of develop new roles and. We'd have new leadership on the team, and we would have some freshmen that have to come in and and play right away. And wanted to get a good gauge of getting our feet under us and get ready because the conference is going to be tough. It's uh, the league is tough. It's a lot of travel. It's hard to win games on the road. Um, So you know we wanted to get a good base and kind of get get ready to go and and develop as as a team and and get some good chemistry and, and all that, and then get ready for conference play.
3: For sure, and that's when it really matters. You talk about your roster did lose four integral parts from last season, but you do have some players. I mean Haley Franklin, she's second in the conference, sixteen points per game, three assists on top of that. Elise Warren, she's been rebounding the heck out of the ball. Of course, those two, but who else has really played a vital role this season?
4: You know, we have a lot that that are just bought into what we need for them to do and their role on the team. Uh, we have a senior Helena Rowe who's been starting almost every game since she was a freshman, and um, she defensively, we play um, kind of a weird zone defense uh, for the last few years, and she basically shuts down like half the court when she's on the wing on it, and uh, big-time rebounder for us, and a shot blocker, and an outside shooter that kind of keeps everybody on us. Emily Adams, another junior point guard who just buys into her role of being our our toughness player and defensively flying around the court and and being our vocal leader. But we also had some some freshmen step up for us already this year, and uh, Garen Freeman, who's been playing a lot of minutes for us and and, and taking on some of the scoring. Um, So she's been doing really well as well.
3: Yeah, uh, man, interesting zone defense. I ha- I have not seen it in person yet. I do look forward to getting over there and watching uh, one of you guys' games and a men's game as well. So you know what it's like to win at Millsaps. I mean, since taking over the program in 16, you're 173. You have two SAA regular season championships. Those came in 19 and 21. Yes, we know this team is a little bit younger than last year's squad but I imagine, and I've seen, I guess, there is some potential here for maybe another championship in the future. Of course, we won't put the card ahead of the horse, but how does this team kind of stack up in terms of other teams you've coached since coming back to Millsaps?
4: Yeah, you know, that's a good question. I think talent-wise, we're there. There's there's so much to go that goes into winning a championship mm-hmm. and Things sometimes that are out of your control, we have to stay healthy, right? And, you know, things like that. And sometimes the ball just has to bounce your way. And all the way back on our 2018 uh, 19 team, you know, we were thinking like fourth or fifth place in the league. And and that team just bought into each other and made a huge run and finished the season 22 and 5. And then the COVID team came in and. Um, We had some seniors that year, and it was like, hey, we're going to get this done. And and we lose two conference – or later one conference game and then lost in the the finals in the tournament. Um, So I think we're there. There's a lot of things that have to go into winning a championship. We just talk about, hey, we want to get better and make sure that we're playing our best basketball at the end of February and give ourselves a chance. We know there's a lot of things that go into it. But if we're playing our best basketball – in february then we're certainly going to give ourselves a chance to um you know to cut down the nets to the end
3: right and it's uh you know one game at a time if you win the next one uh keep going and you might end up at a championship um you can't teach talent though that's assuring to hear talking about you for a second we got a few minutes before the commercial break we're here talking with justin leblanc head women's basketball coach at milsap's so you played at milsap's uh, went away for a little while, as we talked about earlier in the conversation, but then did return to your alma mater. You're now in your eighth season in Jackson. How special is it to coach at the school you graduated from?
4: Yeah, you know, Millsaps is home for me. Um, I always call him a Millsaps foot soldier. I'm, this, is, this is a place that I, that I love and I have a special attachment to. Um, after graduating, I... I was fortunate enough to stay on as, as an assistant coach on the men's side for four years, and we've had we had a lot of success. One of the best teams in school history back in two thousand um, seven, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, and we were twenty eight and four and went to the Elite Eight. And that team was stout. Um, yeah, and that whole team's in the Hall of Fame here in the, in the college and everything. And that was a great. Um, and then had a chance to kind of go on and kind of break away from Millsaps to kind of, you know. <laughs> get a different type of experience but uh, you know really really was fortunate enough to be able to, to come back home and um, take over a program that had some success and then and, and keep it going as well and so you know definitely definitely enjoy being back and definitely hopefully you know that I'm going to be here for a long time.
3: Uh, and outside of your coaching duties you're also the associate athletic director kind of give us some insight into what that position entails.
4: Yeah you know it's it's kind of the the you, you do you do everything kind of deal. And, and, you know, we have certainly myself and then, uh, our volleyball coach, Jamie Fisher, is our other associate AD, and we kind of go back and forth with each other, kind of in season, out of season, taking over duties, whether that's game day responsibilities and personnel responsibilities and uh, NTA conventions and things like that. So there's always small fires here and there that you got to put out, just like in any athletic administration. Um, but, you know, for the most part, we have a really, really good staff and a good group of coaches that are all pretty close and, um that kind of stuff is really easy to get along. And everybody is here. It's, it's a family atmosphere, and we're taking care of each other. And everybody's pitching in when they need to, for sure.
3: There's always something. You know, no day is the same. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Um, well, man, we really appreciate you taking the time today. Uh, this has been Justin LeBlanc, head coach at Millsaps for the women's team. Don't have too much fun in New York, but definitely come away with two wins and we will be keeping up with you over the course of the year.
4: Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me and looking forward to you coming out to the hangar dome not check out a game. Yes. You know, we've got a big conference game Sunday at one and three, doubleheaded with the men and women.
3: So. Yes, sir. We're we're gonna get out there. We can promise you that. All right, we're gonna hit a commercial break real quick. This is from D two to D three. Catch you in just a minute.
1: Do you ever struggle with me or I, or maybe further and farther? That's okay, we all do, because the English language isn't easy, but we have the perfect solution for you. Pocket Grammar, 24 Mistakes You'll Never Make Again, is your new sidekick to making sure that those mistakes don't happen. From memorable pro tips to fun visuals, Pocket Grammar is for everyone. Whether you're a student, a professional writer, or just wanna make sure that those Facebook posts you're putting out there every day are grammatically correct, Pocket Grammar is for you. Go to www.thepocketgrammar.com today. That's thepocketgrammar.com to get yours now.
3: And we're back with From D2 to D3. If you missed it, that was Coach Justin LeBlanc of the Millsaps Women's Basketball Program. You can find that interview anywhere you listen to us, supertalk.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Wherever you listen, just search Sports Talk Mississippi or From D2 to D3, and we're sure To come up. But it seems like it's going to be a good season for the Lady Majors. One thing that Justin told me during that commercial break was that nine of his 16 players are currently pre med. That's incredible. That is just a highlight of what D3 does. You know, these players on the Division three level, they get pushed just as hard, if not harder, than D1 athletes because of the classroom. I mean, the classroom is important on all levels, especially for ones not destined to go pro. But it gets even tougher for a lot of these Division three schools. Just props to him. Hopefully we can get him back on the show to talk about that more. You know, I'd love to see that. Uh, while we have a minute before we go back to the phone line, I feel like I'm working in one of those at t call centers or something, but, hey, that's what we do. Um, I was on the way back to the studio this afternoon, and I was listening to some of these high school football championship games that are currently going on. It was Velma Jackson and Biggersville in the 1A matchup. And, you know, back in the day, Velma Jackson, when they were in 3A, stellar basketball program, football team was eh. But now that they're in 1A, the football team is just downright amazing. I'm not sure if they won that game or not. I'm sure I'll check after this. But what I wanted to point out was they've really given them the red carpet up there for all of these teams competing 1A to 7A. You know, they get to do the Walk of Champions on the radio. I could hear uh, Glenn Waddell, the PA announcer at Ole Miss, going, first down, insert team, Lions, Falcons, etc." cetera. Obviously, um, that's cool really giving these guys a glimpse into what college football looks like with the atmosphere, the energy, all of that good stuff. And if you want to keep up with all of the games going on, it is the first year of 7A. That's a big deal here in Mississippi. You can keep up with all the action at supertalk.fm. You can keep up with it on some of our local talk and music stations. They'll be playing the games that their local teams are part of, uh, then you also have the Mississippi Farm Bureau High School Scoreboard Show. That's a mouthful, isn't it? Tomorrow night, beginning at 10 p.m., Lance and Company will give you everything you need to know as we go through Saturday with the championship games. And that really shows how much Super Talk covers. A lot of people don't necessarily realize that. Yes, we have talk, um, we have the news, we have the music, but we also cover every single sport every single level and that's exactly what we're doing here on from d2 to d3 and the team we're about to cover here just for a few minutes is the delta state men's soccer team the season is over it started slow but then at the tail end of it all really picked up some steam and it was a good year so we welcome austin jackman to the show first year head coach austin what's going on not much how are you today jt Doing well, man. Thanks for joining the program. And before we talk about the offseason, I want to rewind a bit and talk about the end of the year where you guys went on a six-game winning streak before hitting a roadblock in the conference championship. Incredible run. Obviously, the full picture is not where you want it to be just quite yet, but that run's got to be pretty assuring, right? Yeah,
0: for sure. I think for like the past month, that last month of the season I mean every every match we played in was pretty much a final we had to we had to win games on the stretch Um, and I mean it started I think the biggest thing for us was getting the proverbial monkey off our back and winning that first one Um, we were in positions to to beat Spring Hill early in the year first came out of this in, in the conference play and then a couple of games later, we're in a leading position against Union with about 20, 25 minutes left and ended up losing both those games from winning positions in the second half. Lost both of them 2-1. Um, so I think our most complete performance came against Alabama Huntsville and gave up a goal in the last seven minutes. Uh, a scrappy goal that was a bad one to concede late. Ended up losing that win, that one went on the road that Sunday against a tough West Al team and who finished, I think, two or three in the conference. Um, ended up scraping a draw out of that, being down 2-0 at halftime, came back in the last 10-15 minutes to, to tie that one up. Um, and that kind of got the ball rolling with, with Lee and Shorter at home that next next weekend and came out, beat Lee 3-1. Uh, and then, at, like you kind of said, the floodgates kind of opened and just the roll, the wind started rolling in, beat Lee um, on the Friday and then beat Shorter on the Sunday, went to AUM, who were ranked on the, that next Friday. I think they were number 15 in the country at the time. Knocked them off 2-0 and then had a must-win game um, against Montevallo on the Sunday to get into into the tournament. Um, so that was kind of our goal at the beginning of the year is can we get in the tournament and then anything can happen. So beat Montevallo 3-1 away from home and then once you get in the tournament as you know you've been around sports long enough that uh, anything can happen you just gotta get a ticket to the dance so we, we took all week prepared for MC and beat them 3-2 and that was the longest uh, about 60 minutes of my life because we played a man down for about 60 minutes against them got half halftime we're up 2-0 got a red card 12 minutes before the half we're super comfortable up 2-0 um and then kind of held on for dear life. Um, one of the craziest games I've ever been around. Our center back thought he heard a whistle and actually caught a ball inside the box. That's how MC scored their first or second came about four or five minutes after that. And then within 90 seconds, we responded to make it uh, 3-2 and, and uh, held on for the last 10, 12 minutes or so. And then had to play AUM again. And I, you guys know how hard it is to win. Um, and beat a team twice in the same season, especially in the span of about two weeks. Um, so that was a that was a tough battle from from us. It was actually a local Jackson kid scored the winner for us. Zach Sorry, um, from Brandon went to Colen for two years, scored an absolute worldy for us to beat AUM. And then, as you kind of alluded to, um, fell a little short against West Florida. But all in all, we kind of set the set the bar where we wanted to and and hopefully continue to grow and continue to compete for conference championships here.
3: Yeah, and we were glad to see y'all get the ticket into the tournament, but then you guys really shook social media by beating MC. I think they were number 13 in the nation at the time, went on for another win. Um, the, the season kind of started a bit slow, um, but then at the end, you really picked things up and last time I saw you 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 said to me that you have a lot of talent coming back ending the season on such a high note with the talent coming in should all work out at least on paper talk a little bit about what you have coming back for next season.
0: Yeah, so um I mean last time we spoke we got we had three key contributors um graduate um one's an all-conference kid and then two other guys are good leaders that 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 we're going to miss. Um but yeah, we've got, I mean, we've got Braden Taylor, who for me, coming back, he'll, he'll be a junior next year. Massive spring for him. He's, for me, one of the best midfielders in the conference. Um, he did transfer from Memphis, was there for a year, um, wasn't the right fit, and then wanted to play with his brother, who Ashton Taylor's another one who's coming back. Big, big, big winger for us. Um, James Lynch is coming back, who finished second on the team in, in points. Um, we've got Malo, a French kid coming back, um, who played over like 1500 minutes for us at center back. He's also a key piece. Daniel, um, our goalie's coming back, who he'll be a junior next year. He had seven wins last year, which is like tied for second most in the, in a single season for goalies. Um, so like you said, lots and lots of firepower coming back. Um, Trying to fill the void of those three. Um got a couple of commits so far and then talking to a couple of guys that should uh, should come in and fill the void of those three right off the bat. So
3: And you, like you talk you said, about
0: really excited, looking forward to it.
3: Yeah, and you talk about Daniel. He's gonna be a junior, I think he's from the Netherlands, really long player, six foot six at least. That's what you have him listed as listed as on the roster. Did he start the season or did you end up going to him later on?
0: Yeah, so he uh, he started the season, played decently well in Florida. Gave up a soft goal against Florida uh, against Eckerd in the first game. Um, talked to him about that. Then we came home, played two Arkansas teams, and I mean, my my thing is before conference, I need I need both goals to be sharp in case one of in case the starter gets injured. For sure. So they split the weekends. Daniel played on the Sunday. Mason played on the Saturday. So we just wanted to keep Mason sharp. Um, Went back to Daniel after that, um, and then he, he – uh, very uncommon, but I uh, subbed him at halftime of MC, just wasn't up to the standard that we needed that game, had made a couple of mistakes um, in the previous couple of weeks. Um, and he wasn't, to be honest with you, he was not happy with me at all for about a week or two when we started a different guy. But when it came to that UAH-Westile weekend where it was kind of make or break for us, we made a tough decision and went back to him, and I mean, from that run on, he was he was the Daniel that we knew that we recruited and 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 needed to win games. Um, I mean, he made an unbelievable save against MC with, with a Sundar, he tells us, and I, I just look at my assistant, I go, that that save wins you soccer games like this, a man down. Um, so he was he was phenomenal after that after we uh, benched him and all that, but I'm. Hey. Proud of him, how we re- how we reacted and um, wanted to get better and, and, and continue to progress.
3: Yeah, those are the tough decisions that coaches have to make. And sometimes to players on the surface level, it's not as clear until you can kind of step back and see what the reasoning was, the rationale was behind the coach's decision. You have three commits you said. Are, are you going to dip into the transfer portal at all before next year?
0: Yeah, so we've got... We've got two for sure coming in, um, working on a third, and then we've, we're talking to two or three guys in the transfer portal. It's, I mean, it's the transfer portal is a wild, wild west, even it, it you know, with soccer. Um, I mean, there's, I think I looked at last, I looked at it today. There's like nine thousand kids in it um, for just all for sports,
3: soccer, oh, for all just, sports. Gosh,
0: no, for all sports, which is just, I mean, insane if you ask me. We're more looking for specific pieces that can come in and make an impact. That's the only time we're gonna we're gonna dip into it. Um, a lot of times, transfer portal kids are guys that are on on the fringes of Division One programs and didn't play as much as they thought they would and didn't and didn't develop through the fall and through the spring. So. We got to be careful with certain kids we're bringing in, um, but we'll we'll dip with one or two kids, and and uh, if we have some success, maybe a few more in the in the future. But for now, we're just we've kind of car- targeted two or three guys that we're looking at.
3: So. Yeah, yeah. So confidence has to be high right now. Um, moving back to present day, it is the off season. W- what are the day to days currently looking like?
0: Uh, lots of emails, catching up from, uh, from a lot of recruiting <laughs> emails. Uh, over Thanksgiving break,
3: you and me both, man. Um, <laughs>
0: yeah, it, it was it was insane. You, you leave for a week, and it's you got a hundred something emails to go through. Um, but no, right now it's just recruiting, making sure guys are uh, getting ready for finals. They're bothering me to, uh, hey, can you give us the indoor facility so we can play? Can you do this? I'm like, how about we focus on some grades? Yeah, right can you now? make
3: an A on your and, exam and, first?
0: And yeah, then I'll give you the keys Yeah, then I'll then I'll figure out how you guys can play pickup together. Um, but, no, it was it's a lot of emails, a lot of lot of phone calls. Um, the Mississippi Juco All-Star Game is on Saturday um, at, like, 2 at home. So, we'll, my sister and I will be on the road for that um, before he don't heads home next week to England. But, no, just a bunch of recruiting, emails, phone calls, Zoom calls, all that kind of stuff. The behind-the-scenes work to, to put a roster together is what's going on right now.
3: And as you build that roster, currently we'll move away from it here for a second and talk about you. Um, You played for Delta State from 2012 to 2015, had a great career, led the team in goals as a senior, six all-time in games started. You also obviously know how to win. You guys saw some success during your playing days. You then took a few years, went to Millsaps as an assistant, Yale as an assistant, And then this past offseason, you accepted the job at your alma mater. What kind of went into that? Was it a no-brainer when you got that call to come back to Delta State? Or was it a tough decision?
0: Yeah, so, uh, I don't know, life's kind of funny, man. I uh, bounced around, like you said, Was with GA here, um, and then ended up at Millsaps down in Jackson. Um, Loved loved it there. Yale kind of produced an opportunity, and it's one of those where I mean, not many people can say no to Yale University. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many people asked and like, be real Yale. And I'm like, yeah, somehow they want me to come, come coach soccer there. Um, so went there and, um, it was a tough decision leaving what I was comfortable with. I mean, I've been, I was in Mississippi for nine years before that. Um, made a tough decision, went out there, um, and just wasn't the right fit for me. So honestly, I went back home after right before christmas last year and was living home with my parents for probably three four months um interviewed a couple places didn't hear back um and then got word of a delta state job and next you know on campus there and took a while to get the offer but it was one of those once i got the offer like you said it was it was a no-brainer cleveland's near and dear to me i I'm, i was here from 18 uh, 18 years old to 23 24 so Kind of shaped me and molded me into the into the man that I am am today. Um, so, like you said, it was a no brainer, no questions asked.
3: I didn't realize you know, there was a gap between Yale yeah. and Delta State. Yeah. So, I
0: mean, like I said, life's life's funny at times, and um, I'm I'm definitely definitely thankful and grateful for you're always in the right place at the right time. And after after we beat AUM on that in that semifinal, I kind of got a little emotional just to know. How far I'd come in the ten months, and from someone who was pretty close to walking away from coaching, was going to give it one last shot. Depending on where I got a job at, and it just so happened to be my alma mater, and we had a heck of a season and a, and a good, good run. So,
3: you know, life's funny like that. They say it's life on life's terms. And it's truer by the day. The older you get, you know, uh, the more control you try to take, the less you actually have. But it's working out for you at Delta State. Yeah. Um, and we're, we've are we had fun watching the team and look forward to watching the team more so as you guys work off this hot streak at the end of the season. Last question. So I know you've heard all the talk around campus, all the talk around the D2 world. Right now, that's really about this whole football american football that is playoff selection process but i don't think a lot of people understand that there's flaws yes in the football side of this selection process but there's also flaws across the board in other sports soccer included right how, how do we fix this playoff issue in soccer
0: Oh, that's a that's a tough question, um, and that's the million dollar know. answer we've been trying to yeah.
3: find, man. You know, we we've embarked on some columns, talked to some people from different D two national publications, and everybody's trying to find that silver bullet.
0: So, I I mean, I'm kind of new to the. I know there's a committee, not really a committee, but guys who serve on the committee. Um, I think it's a lot like the old BCS, where hey, you. You filter this all through equation, and these are the top teams. Um, But personally, if you ask me, I think, I don't know how you put bias aside, but I think someone needs to actually sit down and and watch every team that you're looking at. I mean, college football figured it out, right? Yeah, you can't have a computer watching. Yes, which was a computer. um, And now they've got an actual committee that sits down and, okay, we actually watch these teams week in, week out study the film, all that stuff. But on top of that, that also requires money. Um, and there's not as much of it at the, at the D2 level. So there's always going to be people that are upset they didn't make it and didn't think they got a fair shake of it. But I, you're dealing with humans. And, and it, within, a human ele- within sports, there's human elements. Not everything's based off computers and, and equations. Um, so that's a long, kind of long-winded answer. But I just think you need to sit down and... Hey, are these the, I mean, use football, for example, was West Florida really the seventh best team in the region that first week they played Delta State? No, probably not. But that's what the computer spit it out as. So, I don't know. It's the, like you said, it's the age-old question that nobody can seem to seem to figure out at the moment. But either way, you're not going to have people happy. But I think if you let it down to just the computer, you, you run into problems because, I mean, we'll look at, we knocked MC out of the turn out of the NCA tournament by beating them, but you could argue that they lost to the, probably the hottest team in the southern region in the in the in the super region at the time. But
3: like the computer doesn't the really months, pick that up.
0: But the yep, yeah, but the computer doesn't pick up that they just see our record at we were two eight and something before the before the run started and or two seven and something before the run started and uh, their record wasn't very good even though they've been on this run. So I think there has to be a little human element to it, but how do you how do you go about that? I'm, I'm not too sure.
3: Well, hopefully we can find an answer for that as we continue seeking it here on From D2 to D3. All right, Austin, thanks so much for your time.
0: Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for having me.
3: That was Austin Jackman, head coach for the Delta State men's soccer team. And that is a conversation we are going to continue to have is how can we fix these major flaws in Division Two playoffs across not just football, all of the sports, soccer included. So we hope to have somebody on next week who really knows the ins and outs of what's going on. I have provided my thoughts on the situation over the past couple of episodes, and if you want more of that, I'm sure you can go back and listen. Uh, but bringing this episode full circle back to football, the coaching carousel is in full effect. It's in full swing, I guess, if you want to stay in line with the metaphor and there, there's a lot going on right now in the Magnolia State with our D2 and D3 schools. If you didn't hear earlier this week, Blaine McCorkle will be heading to Northwestern State from Belhaven. McCorkle is the winningest coach in Haven history. He took a historically losing program to a historically winning program, and the Blazers landed in their first ever playoff appearance this year. I was hoping he'd stay on board and keep building upon that, but I get it. You get an opportunity to make the jump from D3 to D1 FCS. Doesn't happen much. McCorkle went to LSU. He got his coaching start at LSU, and this is a good opportunity for him. I will say, though, that it's going to be the toughest rebuild, at least one of the toughest rebuilds in all of college football. If you're not familiar with what happened, Northwestern State, they have not had a winning season since 2008. This year, it was going as bad as it could. They were 0-6, and the unfortunate murder of junior safety Ronnie Caldwell took place. He was shot and killed, and the university said, hey, we're going to call the season. And along with that announcement, they said head coach Brad Laird would be leaving as well, and all of this would be to protect the mental health of our student-athletes Well, uh, a lot of the student athletes on the football team, they came out, including then starting quarterback Tyler Vanderwall, and said, no, you think the best way for us to grieve is to cancel one of the things we love most? I actually have the full quote here of what Vanderwall said at the time on social media. He said, the canceling of the season was never about Ronnie. They used his unfortunate passing as a cop-out. The lack of leadership was evident. As much as I respected Coach Laird as a coach and a man, he did not have any control of this team. As players, we were kept in the dark about everything. The decision makers here thought it was a good idea to cancel the season and take away the only structure we had. They thought it would be smart to take away these players' outlets during a time of grief? Obviously going to be tough, but I'm a huge fan of Blaine McCorkle. You know that if you've listened since we launched the show. He was actually the first guest on From D2 to D3. I think he is one of the best coaches in D3, or he was one of the best coaches in D3. And if anybody's going to do a good job rebuilding, it will be him. But it's going to be tough, and I really look forward to watching how it all plays out there at Northwestern State. A few weeks ago, we got word that Mississippi College would not be welcoming back John Bland. Bland had been with the Choctaws for ten seasons. Went twenty six and sixty six. In this past season, they went an underwhelming three and seven record, capped off by a blowout loss to Delta State in the Heritage Bell Classic. He did not have much success on the field. I mean, a couple years here and there he did. He was named the Gulf South Conference Coach of the Year once, but that was a five and five record. But from what I understand, he was a really good mentor to these players. Mississippi College is very much so about shaping their athletes, as a lot of schools are, especially here in Mississippi. And I think that's one of the reasons he got 10 seasons to prove his worth. Unfortunately, it did not work out. I don't know where he's going to land. From the statement he did release, it seems as if he will be trying to land another head coaching job. So you have Bellhaven, you have Mississippi College. Both of those are openings. And I'm still waiting to hear what Millsaps is going to do. I've not seen an announcement on if they're going to keep Corey York. You know, he has been the interim head coach there since you had the late departure of Isaac Carter last year for San Diego. And the cards just weren't in his favor. They went one and nine. The one win was against Birmingham Southern. What I do know, though, is I recently checked their website and there is a job listing for the Millsaps head football coach. Discretion, I do not know when it was posted, so we'll see. I'll see if I can get some insight there on what's going to happen at Millsaps. But we have at least two schools looking for a new head football coach. That is half of our D2 and D3 programs. One person who will be back is Todd Cooley at Delta State In his press conference last week, he pretty much made it clear. He said, if they'll have me back, I will be here this time next year. And hopefully they'll still be playing as national championships. They're close, man. They feel close for Delta State and Todd Cooley. So we're hoping to see that soon. Um, Thank you so much for tuning in. That was a rundown of everything, man. Football, basketball, soccer, Back to football and the crazy coaching carousel we have right now in D2 and D3 in Mississippi. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, I'm JT Mitchell, and this is From D2 to D3. We'll catch you next time.